Welcome back, folks. Today is part two of our discussion with the human performance team here at Canon. And uh, today we're going to focus on diet and general uh, body composition and, and conditioning. And uh, we're excited to present this uh, conversation with you. So dial in, listen, and um, reach out to us if you've got any feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Pulse, a podcast by Air Commandos for Air Commandos. Our mission is to seek clarity and confidence in our understanding of the factors which influence our individual effectiveness. We invite you to join us as we engage in real conversations, which explore everything from leadership to physical fitness, from resilience to developing effective habits. So lace up, sink your heading bug, and let's get after it. folks. Welcome back to uh, Pulse. This is uh, Mike Fisher, your career assistance advisor. And uh, today we have another special guest with us, uh, Chase Chesterman, who's a dietitian uh, with the POTIF Human Performance Team. And uh, he's going to shed, uh, shed some light and wisdom and insights, if you will, with us today about uh, some things that we can take into consideration with regard to our diet, etc. So I'm going to open it up to Chase. Uh, go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, Chase Chesterman, uh, as you mentioned, um, my job title is performance dietitian uh, here at Cannon Air Force Base uh, through POTIF with the Human Performance Program. Um, my background is uh, I started out with strength conditioning and then I've uh, always kind of been a dual role guy, a strength conditioning coach and performance dietitian. Um, here at Canada, it's the first time I've been solely performing solely on uh, the nutrition side. Um, however, though, I still use a lot of that uh, exercise background when I'm doing and utilizing nutrition with everyone I work with. Also, the, within our human performance team, um, you know, communicate with all of the uh, the other <clears throat> positions on our team, strength coaches, physical therapists, athletic trainers as well. Um, that way we can kind of bring a holistic approach, um, but it really helps me emphasize um my aspect. Uh, so I don't know how much more detail you want me to go in my background. Um, but, uh, but yeah, primarily I've been a dual strength conditioning coach, um, and RD, which, uh, uh, there's a lot of dietitians out there and kind of, as you go through it, you cover a lot of bases. And then once you get your RD, you usually go and specialize something. So with my background, uh, hence what's, what helps me really emphasize the performance aspect, um, when it comes to nutrition. Now, just out of curiosity, uh, I'm going to show my ignorance here. An RD, is that some sort of degree uh, that sure. you, you acquire, if you don't mind kind of going into that? No, uh, great question, yes, um, because it's a fair question as well. As, uh, people, a lot of people aren't familiar with what a registered dietitian is. Uh, so we are nutritionists. You can go by registered dietitian or registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, where I'm from in the state of Colorado, there is no licensing for being a nutritionist. So Everyone on us on this call, you can have a high school degree. You can consider yourself a nutritionist, uh, registered dietitian. Uh, you have to get um, an undergraduate bachelor degree that meets uh, certain criteria through a di didactic program, 
which, and then you have to graduate with your dietetics degree. Um, coming into your senior year, you apply for dietetic internships, and it's the same process as anyone applying to medical school, PT school, um, anything along those lines. Uh, so you apply for an internship and usually six to eight months where you are both doing your schoolwork, and, but you're also working alongside preceptors um, in very various aspects, everywhere from in the clinical setting to food service to in the communities. Um, and, and I'll touch on those a little bit. So clinical setting, obviously working with everything from cancer to um, burn patients, uh, just anything clinical that you see in a hospital, outpatient, inpatient, that kind of thing. Uh, food service worked with a lot of um, executive chefs in restaurants, kitchens. Um, you know, there's RDs in major uh, cafeterias. Uh, I believe a lot of them are, have had their hands on a lot of the, you know, the cafeterias to Air Force bases. You go to universities, they're there creating menus, doing the ordering, um, budgeting for food as well. Um, and then uh, nutrition education, that could be, you know, WIC, um, community programs, everything from educating people on, you know, where your food comes from, um, you know, the agricultural side to um, just educating them about anything related to, you know, food. It's, it's, and it's like I said, it's very vast. And so we, uh, we had to learn a lot about it, different areas. And like I said, so once you get your RD, then you kind of go and specialize in one of those areas and you try to bring as much of it along with you as you can. So. Got it. Uh, that, then you, then you can, uh, then you can, once you finish your internship, uh, then you can sit for the uh, exam. It's just a national board, pretty much like anything else. So, Okay. Awesome. Now, in my enthusiasm to get into this um, episode, I completely forgot to introduce uh, Rachel Clark, who's joining me as well. Uh, so uh, welcome to the table. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys have heard me before, but again, my name is Rachel Clark. I work with the Preservation of Force and Family, um, also known as PODIF. On the social side of the house, I'm a community program and peer network coordinator. Awesome. So let's dive into this topic that we want to talk about today. Um, and uh, Chase, what I'd like you to do is just kind of start leading out this discussion in, in, in the direction you want it to go. Uh, and we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have some questions for you along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime, just jump in with some questions, um, clarifications, anything. You know, I could sit here and talk about nutrition for three hours. So um, it's real important to get across, though, what, uh, what's most important and what's going to be most useful. So, uh, you know, kind of at my position um, since I've been here, I think the biggest thing is um, when you're when you're working with large mass, which is pretty much what we're doing right now, um, it's real easy to get into specifics. But a lot of times, because everybody's circumstances or situations are different, those specifics may not pertain to everybody. Uh, so kind of like to keep it very general, high level, um, kind of, you know, maybe connect some dots. That way you can. I can, I can arm, you know, listeners, anyone who can take those concepts and apply them to this situation, have some direction, have some autonomy, um, those kind of things. So I think, uh, and usually where I start out with is, you know, as a performance dietitian, my, my main, I'll kind of just preface it as if I was dealing with an athlete and then kind of take a step back and so that way it can be more generalized. Right. So, so I approach it from two angles. One, helping them satisfy an ideal body weight, body composition for their job. 
right? And that looks very different, right? I'm sure you've all heard the term of functional fitness, right? It's the same concept. What do you need to do and accomplish every day of your life, right? If you're an athlete, let's just try, take um, track athletes, right? A sprinter needs to be able to go 100 yards as explosive and as fast as they can. An endurance runner, a miler, needs to be able to go a long distance, um, as fast as they can, but it's over a longer period of time, right? So you approach both of them differently, right? If you have too much, if you have too much weight on you, you have to carry that for a longer duration of time. So that may not be ideal for a long distance runner, right? Increase bigger muscle fibers, transpire, excuse me, that you translate into being explosive, right? Um, so more lean mass can help move a person, make them more explosive, faster, so more lean mass on a sprinter might be better for them. So just taking that same approach and analyzing um, everyone that you have across from you and seeing where, you know, you would fit or benefit from manipulating a body composition, right? I.e., you know, you weigh 150 pounds. How much of that is lean mass? How much of that is body fat, right? So I can come in and prescribe the appropriate nutrition and zero in on the macronutrients to really help that person be successful. You know, and then from there, we can take you and we can see what they're currently doing um, in terms of what is your situation? What access do you have in terms of being able to cook, you know, your resources of shopping? What education do you need further to help you? Basically, just start figuring out what barriers are for everyone to now get towards those goals that we're talking about in terms of nutrition. So that's kind of the front part of it is just satisfying a body weight and a body composition that is ideal for what they need to do uh, just functionally every day. Performance is then how can we do it better, right? And that's where, you know, I come in to really zero in and bring in, you know, as elite level nutrition as we can as needed. <clears throat> then on the flip side of that is game day, performance, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if you can look at this as far as an airman, we could take a pilot, for example. What does their day-by-day -day look like, right? Satisfying a good, healthy body weight for them. Okay, what does that look like day-by-day? -day? And then now they have to go fly or go do their job. Now we're talking performance on the job. What does that look like different from the, just their normal data, day-by-day, et cetera, et cetera. So it's talking about how do you need to appropriately fuel your, fuel your body before and after. What, are, what is your environment? What are your circumstances, right? How intense are you working? How intense are you not working, right? Can you, you know, really hydrate yourself? Are you having barriers of accessing food, et cetera, et cetera? Mm -hmm. So that's where I come in is to kind of satisfy both sides of those. And again, that's very general. And as I get specific or I do a consult with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, then we can really start, you know, taking steps forward from there. Yeah. So you mentioned consults. Um, is that something you do on a regular basis? And are you available to just about anyone uh, to have that one-on-one -on -one sit down? So we are um, assigned to the 27 SOG right now. So if anybody in the 27 SOG, we, they do have access to us. Um, as far as doing consults, yes, I do do consults. With the situation right now, we are waiting to get approved to do telework, or excuse me, telehealth, um, to do a, you know, a clinical legitimate consult. However, sure. yes, they do have access to me. I can do education. So, um, and I can provide my information at the end. It would be as simple as, shoot me an email. Let me, let me take a step back. Depending on how much information you're looking for, it could just be a question or two, right? Or maybe you want to have a full out conversation about whatever the case may be. 
Um, then you can shoot me an email. We'll get on the phone and we'll chat pretty much like we're doing here. Um, exactly. Right. Then I'll take kind of those concepts and I'll zero it into the specific questions and goals that you have in mind. Okay. And then I do just want to just jump in really fast as well. So for folks who maybe aren't in the 27 SOG who are like, hey, I still want to get a consult. We do have a dietitian in um, the, uh, excuse me, the the medical group as well. Um, So that is an option for folks too. Um, I do know that our uh, Pot of Human Performance folks are providing general education to everybody right now too, which is absolutely amazing. Now, I know some of our listeners are kind of thinking, all right, this is all great stuff. Got it. Yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, But let me put it this way. If you had 90 seconds with somebody to kind of help convince them of the benefits of what you can offer, what would you tell them? Why why is a dietitian something that I should pay attention to or even leverage, um, uh, you know, to benefit me? Sure. Um, so 90 seconds, um, I would simply say, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there to everybody. My job is to cut through all the clutter and zero in on what is truth and what is not, and then take those and make them very realistic and practical for the person across from me. I'm not successful because I know so much nutrition. I'm successful because I help people eliminate barriers of them getting in the way of what they one, if they already know, but then two, also making sure that they do know what is good for them and what is not. Okay. So let's, let's expand on barriers for a moment. You, you kind sure. of talked about that. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Sure. So as dietitians, we're trained, the whole process is, is like I said, when I sit down in a console, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm getting a lot of information. I want to know what their day looks like from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed, right? How often they're eating, uh, what they're eating. How much they're how much they're exercising, how much they're not, right? Taking all this information, right, and then kind of zeroing in on what would be a kind of an ideal plan of attack, okay? And finding out why how why are they not being able to get to what this ideal nutrition looks like, right? Sometimes it's it's not an education thing. People know what they're supposed to be doing to help themselves, right? But maybe it's a time thing, right? I have a lot of kids and I don't have time and I'm busy, right? So my job is to say, here's some tips, tricks, recipes, that kind of thing to help mitigate, you know, the time that you don't have because your life is busy. That's not an excuse to me. That's a barrier, right? That's real life. Okay. You know that you just don't know how to get over that barrier. I'll help you break through that and bring you nutrition to it. That's just one example. Yeah, I like that. I really like the practicality of it too. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I look at diet very differently from most people. I have celiac disease um, right. diagnosed. And so food has always, um, since that diagnosis has been something that I've really had to focus on. One, just mm-hmm. making sure I'm able to get all the nutrients. And then two, um, making sure I don't get, um, I call it the poison, but gluten yeah. um, in right. any of my food. And um, what I found is... Um, that a lot of times doc, my doctor would be like, hey, you need to do all of these things, and it's so overwhelming, and um, it, it was hard to try and find that. But when I, I didn't work with you specifically, my sister is a dietitian, so um, <laughs> I had that little bit of an in, but yeah. she was able to make it practical. And so I really like that you talked about practicality and that, hey, we're going to work with some of those barriers. We, we realize that you're flying maybe – 
12 hour, like you're on a 12 hour shift Mm. and you can't get off of it. And then you've got to go and you've got to pick up your kids. And then the kids are hungry right now, not an hour from now. What do we do? Yep. Yep. No. um, And I actually like uh, the fact that you said overwhelming. Um, And that's a big thing too, is when I'm talking or having a consult with somebody, you know, I understand that a lot of times people fail because their motivation, um, they get overwhelmed and they kind of outrun their motivation, right? Let's take a New Year's resolution, for example, right? They make too many changes too quick and that outruns or outweighs their motivation. And so they end up just completely bailing from it, right? So not, so that's what I'm saying is when I'm assessing somebody, it could be they're real close, maybe just one tweak, give it to them and it's good. And then they get, goes a long way. Somebody might, you know, need to make a lot of changes. So what I will do is I will assess and address what I think is the most immediate change you can make right now that's going to give you the biggest return, kind of send you away to work on that. Once you kind of get that rhythm, then I'll add this in, right? Maybe the first step is, hey, we just need to start eating three times a day instead of waiting all the way till night and then overloading on a big dinner and right before. Let's start there. Then the next step is, hey, now you're already now you're already eating three times a day. Let's maybe start adding in some more protein. Here's those foods. Okay, great. Now the next step is maybe we add in some more vegetables or we double our, you know, just like that. I give them a progression, very similar to a weight room, right? When you come into a weight room, our strength coaches are going to assess you, see where you are, right? They're not immediately going to send you a program that, you know, is going to, you know, just bury you, right? They're going to give you exactly what you can handle, exactly what you need right now. And then they're going to build on it week by week. It's the same process with me um, because, you know, Rachel, you're exactly right. And And that's what happens a lot in, in medical systems because they only see them once and they don't expect them to necessarily come back. So they give them Mm -hmm. all the information and it's overwhelming and people end up just getting lost in it. Correct. Absolutely. (laughs) Good intentions, but uh, too much too quickly, right? (laughs) Baby steps. Good intentions. Uh, Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So talk to me a little bit about the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. Um, I know we kind of, touched on it slightly but let's yeah. let's let's really just kind of dial it down to to what the average joe will understand right so i, I know we could get highly technical about this but the average person what what's the difference as far as still talking about dietitian versus nutrition yeah okay well there's there's not there's not a lot of detail into it because like i said a nutritionist can be self-proclaimed so that i cannot define you know depending on what it is but basically every dietitian is a nutritionist but not every nutritionist is a dietitian so when someone does tell you they're a nutritionist um i would just keep that in the back of your mind if they could they they could have as far as an education level as a high school degree right not trying to dismiss them or anything but it's just something to be aware of right when taking nutrition advice especially in the day in this day and age where it's so easy to put information out there Right. Um, I, I can pull up my Instagram right now and find 10 different nutrition articles. And you know what? Probably eight out of 10 of them are not correct and could be very detrimental and dangerous. Right. Um, so that's where and like I said, that's that's where di- as us as dietitians, you know, we kind of come in to help cut through that for you. And the way I like to spin it when I'm talking to um, I'm doing brief briefings and such is is maybe help yourself out and, and don't get caught up into it. Right. Let me wear that burden. Let me decide what is good, what is not. 
right? That's what we're trained to do is to see through that. Now, if you do see something out there and you're curious about it, you think that it, you know, it's something that you're interested in, you know, bring it to us. Let's talk about it, right? I can tell you maybe maybe that's not exactly what you're looking for, but I can I, I won't let you leave without giving you the answer that you're looking for, right? It may not be the one sure. you brought to me, but right. you know, still satisfying that. So So just to maybe put it in some uh, terms that a lot of our listeners might be saying, it's like um, you can be maybe a self-proclaimed car mechanic, but you have to get all these extra certs and potentially degrees to um, be like an airplane mechanic. Exactly. Okay. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now, there's a lot of fads out there. There's a lot of diets. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd kind of like to, to get a little bit of your feedback. Don't, you don't, don't, right. don't feel compelled to go way deep down into this, but, you know, keto, Atkins, all these other ones yeah. that, 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 you know, tend to have uh, sure. a, a spike in popularity and then they kind of disappear yeah. or, or whatnot. What, what's your thoughts right. on, on all these fads? Well, I think you nailed it on the head is, you know, the first thing is that they spike and then they disappear. Hence why they're called a fad diet, right? They're, they're meant to sell. They're meant to, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of people are guilty. They want the, they want the magic pill, right? They, uh, they do. Right. And yeah. so those fad diets kind of, you know, satisfy that itch, you know, what, what am I going to get the results in without you know, necessarily having to do, you know, the least amount of work. Right. Um, and so, and, and a lot of times, too, with those fad diets is, um, well, let's just take the keto, for example, right? The ketogenic diet is meant for somebody uh, very very much same as, you know, Rachel in the, in the gluten diet. It's a very similar process, uh, excuse me, gluten-free diet with uh, celiacs, is those diets are made for persons with medical issues, right? And so a lot of times those diets are taken out of context and tried to put to the general population for the wrong reasons, right? And I could say that maybe that's what some nutritionists might do, right? Some dietitians would say, no, like that's not for that person, right? The ketogenic diet is met for people with epilepsy, right? Um, you know, I'm going to brain disorders, right? It's, it's neurological disorder, but so, you know, keeping it, you know, manila terms here, brain disorders, right? And our brain is primarily comprised of fatty acids, right? Fats. So a high fat diet helps feed, you know, that disorder just as protein provides for our muscle. It's the nutrient it needs to build and repair itself. So persons with epilepsy, brain disorders, fatty acids, if we feed it fat, the nutrient it needs, it can help with those. Same with autoimmune and such, right? And so it, that diet has been taken out, right? And, 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 and it spins into the performance world, and we deal with a lot of that too. And I can touch on that specifically if you'd like. Um, but a high-fat diet for somebody without those, they don't need that amount of fat, right? And that's where us as dietitians, we look at all those and what is your need based on all of these things you you know, brought before us, right? If Rachel came in and told me she had celiacs, well, her need is to find things around without having gluten in her diet, right? And still maintaining everything else, right? And a lot of times you don't want to have to, I bet Rachel will say, it, it can be difficult having to find and work around that all the time, but still meeting her needs, right? Um, and so those fad diets, they can they can go down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Um, and, but well, that's the biggest thing. And, and just so, and, and personally, I don't recommend any fad diets, right? And then, you know, we could even, I won't call it a fad diet, but you can even go down, uh, you know, a specific diet such as vegan or carnivore. 
right? And a vegan diet is no animal, no sources from animal whatsoever. Right. The carnivore diet is only red meat, no carbs, no vegetables, nothing else, right? And so those are the two extremes. As a dietitian, any as a dietitian for all of us, right? Anytime you eliminate any food group from the plate, you have to find a way to replace it. Otherwise, you will be malnourished, nutrient deficient, and you will set yourself up for some serious, serious health problems, right? And so now a lot of those are choices. Cannot tell people to be vegan or not be vegan or carnivore or not, right? That's not my job. My job is to simply put reality in perspective form. If you take red meat off the plate, you have to find a way to put back in B12, heme iron, et cetera, et cetera, some of these micronutrients that if you're deficient could set you up for these health problems. If at that point you still choose to choose choose to go down that road of that diet, that's fine. That's your choice. I will do my best to help you replace those, right? Um, that's that's kind of my approach on, on a lot of those. So um, I, I'll bring those up. Because, like you said, fad diets, and there's a lot of documentaries out there as well. Like I was saying, a lot of information that promotes these left and right. And it's real easy for people to go down those. Um, but that's my stance. I don't promote any one specific diet. So, Which is tough because as dietitians, what we promote and what we do, um, it's not sexy. It doesn't sell. You know, it's not like cutting edge, right? It's just, it's just sure. good old-fashioned, right? Where we come in is like Rachel said. Like Rachel was saying, we, we give realistic, practical ways to to go about it. And that's how we can be successful working with others. Yeah, I like that feedback. There's there's one one that's always kind of confused me is, um, you know, I think I did watch a documentary about um, the whole idea of fat and how the U.S. has become very target-locked on the idea of fat, a low-fat diet. But yet you go to these other countries, like, for instance, um, I've spent time in Germany and I mean, their their diet is heavy in fats, um, but yet they do not suffer from an obesity problem like we do. And so, the, you know, the, the, just on the surface, I look at that and go, "Well, that just doesn't make sense to me." Uh, yeah, and I'm just, I'd be curious. What, what's your thought sure. on that? Yeah, no, I think uh, you know, and this will kind of just go and this is a great segue into general nutrition. Right. Um, overall, I think the best approach for all of us to, to take, um, even if you're just sedentary, and we've got enough science to back this up, people who fi- follow high protein diets, con- who eat high protein meals consistently throughout the day, have better body weights, better body weight management, uh, excuse me, and body composition, meaning um, they're healthier. Right. And, and, and body composition, I keep bringing that up. Right. But it's the how much you weigh is lean mass, how much is body fat. That's very important to me because I also understand as we start losing lean mass, which in the medical field is called sarcopenia. Right. As soon as you start w- losing lean mass throughout your life. Right. That puts you closer and closer to frailty. Right. And as we know, frailty will, you know, as, as you get older, end of life. Right. That'll put you, you know, that'll put you closer to, you know, being dependent on others just as much as heart disease, that kind of thing. Right. So we have to consider that as well. Um, and so people who have high protein diets maintain those. Right. Well, we were scared and we, we were scared to go down those roads because we were scared of all the high fat. And when I say high protein, I'm, I'm talking about meat, dairy and eggs. Right. And so we were scared of those because of the high fat. Right. Um, but what happened was, is we started going low fat, but we started putting sugar in a lot of things, right? So a lot of the, the food products that are at our disposal here in America, right, we, we have an abundance of a lot of these products, and we're still seeing 
that we're a very sick country, very unhealthy country, right? Um, so we're learning that these fats that we were originally scared of aren't as bad as we originally thought um, because we didn't really, we, you know, it's kind of like tit for tat of like lesser of two evil, right? So, so my approach is in those, in those high-protein foods, those fats are good for us. In like the ketogenic diet says you should add in fat, right? No, that's not what I'm saying, right? So those foods, the fats in those foods are not nearly as bad as we thought. In fact, we actually need those. So if we live in that world, we're going to be okay. We go away from that and we start adding in sugar, right? As carbohydrates, we increase that. That increases our calories. And now we're in a caloric surplus and we're gaining body fat, right? Not yeah. we're losing lean mass, that kind of thing. So we kind of overcompensated in that direction, right? And and I'm open answering your question here, but I think the biggest thing is if we stick to, you know, whole foods and not leaning so much as on processed, taking out the fat, adding in the sugar, people end up, you know, having better body weights and you know, we mitigate the obesity problem is, is, is really where I'm going with this in, in a lot of ways. I hope I'm answering your question there without going down the rabbit hole too much. No, I think you did. I think you did great because I think you pointed out something that we often overlook, and that is how sugar rich the American diet has become right. uh, relative to many others around the world. And so, trying right. to draw a comparison between you know those uh, populations isn't always a, a great thing to do because of those differing dynamics. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. And, and, you know, and, and I won't, uh, you know, and I got to be careful about twos when I talk about this, not feeling one side or the other and not demonizing any food, you know, I'm not demonizing sugar, but it's all sugar is not a bad food. It's all about an amount though. When we get in an excessive amount, that's when it does become problematic. Right. Yeah. So, you know, sugar definitely has a time and place going back to what I was saying about performance, right? Sugar, right. Is, is a great, something great to have right before you're going to go do some strenuous activity. Right. Yep. Before a workout, you know, or before, you know, like I said, previously my job was, you know, working with a college football team, right? So as a nutritionist, I was putting, you know, real simple sugars in, in, in the athletes right before we were about to go play a football game. Why? Because it was their energy. D define Time simple sugar for, for the average listener. Define what you mean by simple sugar. What would that look like? Sure. Simple sugars are, you know, your sweets, your candies, um, your uh, gummies, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's your, it's your sweets, cakes, cookies, gotcha. gummies. Yeah. Um, so it's candy. processed most likely. It's, it's processed, right? It's just, yeah. it's just a carbohydrate in its most simplest form. Yep. Right. So, which is why it has the time and place, right? So it's in its simplest form. So it gets digested quickly and it's readily available to use for energy. Yep. Right. So, so it's on, it's more um, of an on-demand, uh, correct. type, uh, uh, resource, if you will. Correct. Right. If, if you had a fire, let's say, for example, right, and you threw, you know, a Kleenex on the fire or, you know, a newspaper, it's going to light up right away. Right. So that's basically what it is in terms of energy availability in your once you consume it. Right. Yep. So if you wanted if you wanted. So then you go more complex carbohydrate like your pastas, your starches like potatoes, corn, that kind of thing, your more complex carbs. That would be more like putting a log on the fire. It takes a little bit for it to light up. But once it's lit up, it burns for a lot longer, right? So if you were coming into, you know, let's say a strenuous activity, right? Four hours out, roughly, you know, just give it, you know, keep it simple. You would have a higher carbohydrate, more complex carbohydrate meal 
because it, it, it takes a little bit to digest it, but then it gets stored, right? And then as you get closer to game time, you have more simple sugar, right? Yeah. So you tap into the simple stuff quick, and then as the log burns, it can, you know, it'll it'll tap into that for for on the line as we go, right? And that's kind of my approach to a lot of this too. Is is when we're talking, it's there's not a bad food. I just bring to the table nutrient timing what we mean by that is is you know sugars these kind of things aren't bad it's just maybe helping you understand when is a good time to have them right and a lot of times it's just a little bit of redistributing when you're eating certain things and it goes a long ways because we're simply just giving it to the body when it wants it and when we do that it puts it towards what it needs uh to utilize it and that's what we call metabolism right and everybody knows if your metabolism's up that's means good things are happening right we're not in this fat storing state so a lot of things like that as well. Okay. And so when you think about some of these things that we've kind of highlighted as maybe not, you know, in and of themselves, they're not necessarily bad, but oftentimes they're abused. And so what I'm hearing kind of between the lines of what you're talking is, is really patterns of behavior, right? It's, it's, it's right. not a big deal if you reach in and, you know, maybe once a week, grab a couple of Oreo cookies and, and eat those. Correct. Where it becomes a problem is, is if you're doing that, you know, two or three times a day, every day of the week, right. uh, now we might have something we need to chat about. Uh, is that, am I kind of understanding what you're saying correctly? hundred percent, right? So when I'm in the consults, a lot of times, again, it's not so much as, you know, people needing help with understanding what they're doing. You know, it's like people walk in and like, I know it's bad for me to eat the Oreos, yada, yada, you know. And so for me, it's more or less understanding why are they doing it, right? Because usually there's a reason. And I'll help them find that reason and give them some strategies, right? It might be as simple as you're starving at night and you're going for the Oreos because you're not any, any, eating anything throughout the day. So maybe if we had some higher protein up here, you'd be fuller or we had some more complex carbs up here. So you'd be fuller and your body's getting carbs. So at night, you're not craving sweets and you're not having hunger pains, right? Yes, exactly. So a lot of times it's behavior. Um, and so we can do some things to tweak it. Um, again, it's hard for me to get specific without certain examples in front of me, but you're right. Yes. That's where we come in is, is help with, you know, some of those, that's the majority of our talks a lot of the times too. So. Very good. I like that. Um, let's see, I'm looking at some of the things that we wanted to chat, make sure we highlight here. And, um, so performance nutrition, you highlighted just a little bit about some of the sugar, you know, the, the uh, sugars that you would ha- hand off to the athletes right before they head out to the field. Mm-hmm. But um, let's talk a little bit more in depth about performance nutrition. In other words, the things we need to be doing every day to ensure that our body is ready to perform at, at its peak levels. Uh, in addition sure. to maybe some of those, you know, uh, ad hoc, you know, quick, quick hit type things that we need to, to uh, focus on as well. Sure. Um, I, I'm going to address uh, hydration first. A lot of times I'll go down this and for, completely forget to it. And that's one of the most important things, especially with oh, performance yeah. and just day by day. Right. Um, and and, and the, my experience thus far, since I've been here working with a lot of the airmen is we we're not drinking nearly enough water and we're seeing a lot of issues with that. Um, and then obviously there's a, you know, a high instance, uh, well, I shouldn't say high, I don't have any numbers on me, but from what I've noticed, um, you know, tobacco usage could be uh, a cause to dehydration, right? And then we're not countering that with enough water intake. And so we're constantly in a dehydrated state just day by day, right? And then if you're in a dehydrated state and then you go fly, now you are increasing in altitude. And every time you increase in altitude, 
you dehydrate yourself as well. Yeah. Dehydration is the dehydration is the you want to see a decrease in performance. Dehydration will be the first cause, right? So consistently drinking water throughout the day will not only in the airmen that I've worked with who have started increasing their water intake immediately, although it's a little hard at first just because you're not used to it. And, and obviously you're going to the bathroom pretty frequently, but you'll level out. Your body will get used to it. It'll level out. Um, they have experienced, you know, immediately they have felt better just walking around. Um, they feel like they have more energy um, and they can, you know, they just function better overall daily. Right. And also we're mitigating a lot of um, health issues. So I won't go too much into that um but constantly being a dehydrated state you're basically leaving your kidney out to dry and you know kidney stones those kind of things pop up pretty frequently because of that so a good recommendation from me um just overall is about four to five ounces of water every 15 minutes right so four to five ounces you know i don't know uh without you know just explaining it over voice but uh but your typical water bottle that you just just your your typical plastic water bottle is about you know, 12 to 16 ounces, the plastic one that you'd buy in like a case. Yeah, so 16.9. I've got it right here in front of me. <laughs> yeah, so 16.9. So about one of those an hour is a pretty good safe um, estimate. Um, and then obviously your water intake increases the more you are working out and sweating, or if you are going up in altitude or you're in a hot environment, then you need to increase it from there, All right? So that's that's a big one overall for every single one of us Just start getting more water in throughout the day we'll be benefiting ourselves uh, very well. Um, as far as nutrition, again, performance, like I said, initially day, day in and day out, um, you know, eating consistently, um, you know, three meals a day. A, a lot of times working with athletes and people, the biggest problem is because of time or this reason or that reason or those barriers we originally talked about, we typically see a pattern of not eating anything the first time until like lunchtime or later, right? And then we and then we get to dinner and we eat this big old massive meal. We get the majority of our calories there. And then sometimes we're eating a pretty high calorie snack right before bed. When we do that, we're pretty much just taking, we're, we're overeating and then we're going right to bed. So we're, we're taking all our calories and they're in excess. So they're just stored as fat, right? So a big thing is to start splitting that up, right? Eating more consistently throughout the day. So we, we eat more often, but we typically eat less calories because our portions are smaller and, um, and we don't overeat at night. Right. And again, I'm trying to be very general here. Um, sure. and then, <clears throat> so, and then it's like I said, if we add protein in protein also helps with, um, with body weight and stuff because it's very satiating food, right? If you eat three or four eggs for breakfast, you're going to be pretty full, right? If you have steak and eggs for breakfast, you're going to be pretty full. So it helps mitigate snacking throughout the day, right? And that's a big problem too is, sure. is we just, you know, reach for the potato chips and that kind of thing. So we can mitigate those unwanted calories by eating, make sure we're getting three meals a day, adding more protein in them, right? And then we're choosing complex carbohydrates with each meal throughout the day as well, okay? And then fruits and vegetables are very important as well. Um... So if we look at that, protein, carbohydrates, fruits, and vegetables, about every meal, obviously, uh, for breakfast, vegetables aren't the best, but if we can get them for lunch and dinner, perfect, right? Sure. From a performance standpoint, when we have all three food groups, I'll kind of go over what each one of them relates to performance here real quick. 
Protein, obviously, we know it satisfies lean mass, right? Uh, we need a high intake of protein for some of the reasons I previously discussed, but a lot of people don't understand is our body needs protein for a lot more than just muscle. Our internal organs, our skin, our hair, our hair all those things daily that just need replenished is protein, right? So if we fall short on protein, our body's going to take the protein and put it towards our those things first for survival, right? And then if it has enough left over, then it'll kick it out to our muscle, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. I mean, it's not exact science, but thinking about it like that, um, you know, is a good way to look at it. So sure. we need to bump our protein up. And then if we are, depending on what our job is, you know, if we're, if it's strenuous, whatever, and this is where I can come in and help, we increase our protein from there. Okay. And then this is where I would come in to help. Our carbohydrates are our energy, right? Like we had discussed earlier, we a little bit about like the, the pre. So even if we're just sedentary, right? If we have a, you know, we're, we're having an office job and we're sedentary, we still need carbohydrates to think, to walk around, and we need a bare minimum, right? So, but breaking up those carbohydrates throughout the day and keeping them complex, right? That will satisfy those needs. And then again, as we start getting more active, we increase our carbohydrates to make sure we have enough energy to do those, Okay. Carbohydrates also get stored as fat. So if we're in a surplus of carbohydrates and we don't need them for energy because we're not as active, our body will store them as fat, right? So it's not that carbs are bad. It's just it's all about an amount with carbohydrates. And again, that's where I can come in and kind of help zero in on how many, how much carbohydrates you need carbohydrates you need and then in our POTIF team we have strength conditioning coaches as I said that I work very closely with so if we have an airman that's working out with our strength coaches that's very helpful for me because I can chat with the strength coach see what their activity level is right and then I can translate that into caloric expenditures right and, and zero in on the calories they need right so we can control both sides of it and that's how we as a, a POTIF team human performance can be very successful for the athletes right that's how we can zero in on it um, and then your fruits and vegetables. Um, so anything with color um, is very important because antioxidants, I'm sure a lot of you have heard antioxidants, sometimes they'd be called superfoods, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, antioxidants eliminate free radicals. And what a free radical is, it's just a bad byproduct of exercise or stress or anything like that. So the sooner we can eliminate that free radical, the sooner we can recover. So if we are being active and we are training, and then we're getting in those antioxidants, we can recover fast and come back and do it again the next day, right? Very important for training, very important for performance, very important for just day to day. Um, that, uh, vitamins and minerals also uh, have a lot, excuse me, fruits and vegetables also have a lot of vitamins and minerals that are very important for a lot of processes. Uh, let's just take muscle protein synthesis, for example. You can have all the protein in the world, the appropriate amino acids to build the muscle, but if you don't have niacin or riboflavin, for example, that you get from fruits and vegetables and other foods, the process doesn't happen, right? Which is, again, going back to my original statement of if you eliminate any food group from the plate, you have to find a way to replace those. They all work together. And the more consistent you are about having all three of those food groups every single day in that uh, meal pattern of, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then if we can throw a snack in there, um, that day in and day out will equal increase in performance, right? As an overall concept, right? And at the same time, will satisfy a good body weight and good body composition as well. And that's what I think a lot of us are looking for as well. And when we do that, we can really mitigate a lot of health problems as well. So yeah, that's pretty general right there. Yeah, I like I that. Covered all bases. Yeah, I, I do want to circle back uh, briefly because you mentioned 
um, fruits and vegetables of color. Now, again, some of our listeners may not be very familiar with what that means. What does that look sure. like? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, what, what uh, you know, appropriate you know, portion size are we looking at as well? Sure. Uh, portion sizes are, are tough. That Again, that's a, a specific one, depending on, you know, who, who I'm, I'm working with. But uh, when I refer to color, uh, meaning anything with a pigment, the antioxidants come from pigmentation, which is just what makes a vegetable the color it is, right? Yeah. And, pigmentation and, and, is orange, red, blues, purples, anything like that. That's pigmentation. That's antioxidants. And, and you're not saying, hey, uh, really, I need you to shoot for only green. Right. Really, what Correct. you're referencing is is the, the the rainbow of colors. The more color that you have on your plate, uh, of, of course, an, an appropriate portion size for you, uh, the better. Correct. Exactly. OK. Yes. I, I just yep. want to make exactly. sure we're being very explicit about that, if that's Perfect. truly what you were meaning. So um, we're starting to get down to the end of our time with you. Um, but mm-hmm. there is one last thing I want to make sure we cover, and that is. Uh, some strategies and things we need to think about in our our current paradigm that we find ourselves in with this COVID uh, quarantine. Yeah, um, you know, I'll try to keep it pretty similar. Uh, everyone's situation can look different. Um, I basically everything I just originally talked about. Um, I try to just start um, implementing some of those. Try to be consistent with eating you know, very throughout the day. So that way you mitigate, um, hunger cravings. It's real easy when you're just sitting around the house to just go grab something out of the pantry and just snack on it. Right. Try to stick to a full meals. Like we had just discussed of proteins, complex carbohydrates, and lots of colorful fruits and vegetables. Uh, the more often you do that, you're going to keep your calories lower. You're satisfying every aspect that your body needs. Um, again, you know, going to the grocery store, there may not be all of that, um, you know, meat, dairy, and eggs are high-protein foods. Um, I understand that you may not be able to have those at the grocery store. Um, so maybe this week you don't have very much eggs. So maybe it's a Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, milk. You're finding it from those sources, right? Um, string cheese, beef, jerky, those are great high-protein snacks. Um, you know, and, and so the more you can stick around those, you know, the better, better off you're going to be, especially with – not being able to exercise as we probably want to because of limited availability or access to, you know, fitness centers, gyms, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I would highly recommend just eating consistently throughout the day, cooking more meals. What a great opportunity to start learning how to cook more meals. With If you've got family or roommates, you know, just cooking up meals because, you know, the, the home food, more likely than not when you're making it yourself you're controlling what goes in it. So you're controlling the calories, right? Versus buying it from somewhere else. You don't know everything they're putting in it and can just keep adding calories in. Sure. Um, now, real, and then just trying, real quick, ahead. do you have any resources that people can uh, maybe leverage, maybe a YouTube channel or something uh, for learning new dishes? And, you know, that resource is something that, uh, you know, uh, is providing quality uh, information. Sure. Um, any of the uh, industries are great. Uh, beef industry, uh, egg, uh, dairy industry, they have their own uh, specific uh, websites that they have chefs who can can show some great re- recipes. Um, if I know Pinterest. I'm not a big Pinterest guy, but I know that there's a lot of really great recipes um, on Pinterest. And then honestly, just Google or YouTube. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, I want to cook a roast. Google a roast recipe um, and just uh, 
or it could be as complex as, I mean, it, recipes, There, there's millions of them out there. Um, there's also me, a lot of uh, Facebook videos as well that'll show you like exactly how to do it. So for me, um, I, I've had to resort to Facebook videos. My husband is the cook in our relationship. I am not. I'm a baker. If I could have pie all day, I would. But we just discussed that that would not be so good. Um, yeah. But uh, Facebook does have... Um, and if you just search kind of the same thing like you would on Google on like their Facebook watch of, hey, like how do I make a pasta dish with vegetables in it? They'll pull up, it'll pull up different, um, different things and they'll actually take you through the recipe so you can see what it's supposed to look like and they'll give yeah. you the actual ingredients. Yep. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Like I said, you go to the grocery store and maybe, maybe these are the only things that are available. So you take those and you Google exactly what you have. How do I cook mm-hmm. with what I've got here, right? Yeah. Like Chopped, Quarantine 101. Yeah. If y'all watch Chopped, I don't know. I yeah, don't yeah. Know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun show sometimes. It can be. Yeah. Um, okay, any other strategies? Um, well, again, sticking to hydration and just as much as you can, try to move. It can be difficult, but, um, you know, trying to move, that's, that's the biggest thing. That's one of the... First things I ask somebody when I'm in a console, what do you do for exercise? Because the more we move, the more flexible you can be with your eating and the more forgiving it is if you, you know, maybe do go a little excess or indulge every now and then. So just remember, the more you can do that, the more you're helping yourself out as best you can. Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to try to summarize some of the key points that uh, I believe we've talked about. One, you, you've kind of highlighted stay consistent with the number of meals that we're uh, intaking every day. So uh, ideally, uh, you suggested sticking to at least three, no less than three. Is that Did I get that right? Correct. Um, but also, so we talked quantity, but quality of those meals is, is equally important. We want to ensure that we're having the right balance of nutrients for, for our, our basic needs, but then also for whatever unique needs and demands that we're placing on our human operating system um, from a performance perspective. And Correct. then um, finally, you pointed out, uh, stay hydrated. Um, as a matter of fact, I think you even stated that hydration often is um, probably the number one factor where, where people Correct. are not performing at levels. Hydration is, is that area that they're, they're lacking in. Correct. Uh, anything that I missed? Um. I think those are pretty high points. Um, like I said, it's it's difficult to go too much more specific than that, um, which would be a great opportunity for somebody, if you know, to reach out to me with some specific questions that you know I've spun off some of these high points that we just pointed out. So I think those are those are the good ones. Yeah. So uh, in closing, I'd kind of like to open it up to you to to, to kind of offer up your contact. Um, sure. If, if somebody, if one of our listeners is like, "Hey, you know, I'd really like to reach out to this individual and have a chat mm-hmm. about my own uh, dietary needs, etc." How how would they do that? Yeah. So just shoot me an email. Um, I will give out both my uh, personal email and my Air Force email, just because I'm sure. As with everyone else working remote, VPN sometimes is hit or miss. So my Air Force email is chase.chesterman.ctr at us.af.mil. Okay. And then my my personal email is clchesterman at gmail.com. All right. clchesterman at gmail. 
Com. Correct. All right. Yep. And uh, offline, we're going to get your contact info along with those that were here yesterday as well. Uh, and we'll be publishing that information on our uh, social media site so folks can easily access it there as well. Perfect. Chase, we greatly appreciate your time. Um, thank you for all that you do every day uh, out there. And um, I think it's important that we highlight what you're offering to this base. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't, I'm not convinced that a lot of folks out there are tracking that we have such an amazing resource at our fingertips. And so uh, highlighting this on our podcast hopefully is going to shed some light on uh, your skill set and your talent and what you can bring to the fight. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank well, you, thank so you for helping. Yeah. Thank you for helping us get our names out there and, and letting them know that we are here for them. So we appreciate that. Awesome. Well, I look forward to potentially having you back on the uh, podcast in the future as maybe we uh, tackle some more targeted uh, topics. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to I want to make that happen. So, um, Jace, thanks yeah. again. And uh, yep. until next time, keep getting after it, my friend. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Yeah. Take care. Did you know you can reach out to us via our social media sites? Yes, you can. Folks. We truly do want to hear from you. You see, it's your feedback, your questions, your insights, which are vital to our ability to remain relevant and meaningful to you, the listener. So give us a shout out. You can find us on Facebook. Simply search Professional Development Center dash CAFB. Again, Professional Development Center dash CAFB. We're also on Instagram at PDC dot c-a-f-b again p-d-c dot c-a-f-b and finally via our email 27s-o-f-s-s dot p-e-c at u-s dot a-f dot mil that's 27 sierra oscar fox sierra sierra dot papa echo charlie at u-s dot a-f dot mil folks we do want to hear from you You have listened to an episode of Pulse, recorded by members of the Cannon Air Force Space community. The views expressed within this podcast are those of the speakers and guests, and do not necessarily represent the view of the DOD, Department of Defense, or its components. To the airmen, soldiers, sailors, and Marines, we'll see you again soon.